the attitude, balance, and choices. Well, maintaining a positive attitude includes having a balance of health and wellness, nutrition, fitness in our lives, and the choices we make in nutrition, fitness, and looking out for ourselves and one another. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Laura Masterton and I'm the Director of Special Projects and Training Coordinator for the Association. I would like to welcome Dr. Benjamin Stone, co-developer of Sigma Tactical Wellness and Noel March, Chief Strategy Officer of Sigma Tactical Wellness, as well as a proud graduate of the National Academy Session 170. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Would you both mind sharing a little bit about yourselves? Well, thanks for recognizing the 170th session uh, so long ago of the FBI National Academy, where I was a member of that class. And I see myself here today, gosh, 40 years uh, into a law enforcement career at the local, county, state, and federal levels uh, so far. I am the... um, in my, all, my, all my spare time, I am the uh, Chief Strategy Officer for Sigma Tactical Wellness, and I am a member of the Community Engagement Committee for the National Academy Associates as well, so still staying involved on many levels. And Dr. Stone, what is your background? What about me, Laura? Good morning. Um, I appreciate you guys putting this together, and, and uh, it's tough to follow the pedigree of someone like Chief March, I tell you. It's, uh, it's, it's not an easy act to follow. Very, very, very big shadow casted there, and I'll tell you, we're very blessed to have him. Um, we started this program around about 2017 with uh, Dr. Jonathan Scheinberg out of Austin, Texas, which is where I'm based. My background is somewhat diverse. I spent most of my time in academia little clinical medicine uh, blended with a little bit of uh, United States Air Force. Um, I actually attended the, Ox- the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom uh, under the Air Force Institute of Technology and um, ended up sort of focusing more on cardiac health and uh, cardiac physiology. Enjoyed the research component that was uh, incredibly stimulating. Also enjoyed, just based on a love of people, uh, the clinical aspect as well. Came back stateside. Uh, worked on a variety of projects, um, ranging from high-altitude aircraft egress to aerospace physiology um, uh, as a captain in the United States Air Force, and uh, felt a calling towards public safety. Um, I was actually working in Bell, Colorado at the time when we had a 38-year-old fit athletic male come through, unfortunately dead on arrival, uh, from acute coronary disease, which is effectively a plaque rupture. And it's common in law enforcement. Didn't know that at the time. One of the commanders there, Craig Bettis, who's now our de- development director and a principal with Sigma Wellness LLC, um, sat with me and, you know, it sort of explained what this young officer had gone through prior to his death. And it seemed very stereotypical for a law enforcement officer, having little experience with that as a civilian. You know, you hear stories and, and you know, obviously watch TV shows. And, you know, what I found is that the screening apparatus that you see in other verticals of public safety does not exist in law enforcement at all. It's more incumbent on each department, agency, sheriff's office to install those uh, methods of detection 
for their individuals. There's nothing overriding that. There's no NFPA. There, there's nothing that, that's coming from overhead that helps them dictate what their need is. It's, it's really up to that agency and the leadership within that agency to create that culture of health. And, uh, you know, I saw a huge opportunity there to do something that's not only worthwhile, but very satisfying. And it's just been an amazing experience. And it's something that uh, we feel very fortunate to be able to do. And, and I, I truly feel like we work with the finest people on earth. And that's what's drawn me as well, I want to say, to the work that these two doctors are doing. Dr. Stone is being modest. He has a PhD from Oxford University as well as an MD and has worked with Olympians and officers and has focused his practice along with Dr. John Scheinberg, who's a 28-year cardiologist in Austin, Texas, who's also a police lieutenant. These are two unicorns in our profession, Laura, that really need to, uh, really are owed a debt of gratitude because their focus in this practice has been on us, our law enforcement uh, brothers and sisters, who uh, the, the statistics will show you, and, and Ben will talk about this, our life expectancy is 22 years less than non-law enforcement officers. And if a police officer is going to have a heart attack, average age is 49, as opposed to up in the mid 60s for someone who's not a police officer. Those are very, very compelling differences in how a a, police, a career law enforcement officer's body and, and physiology, male or female, is affected by the, um, the, the pressures, the stresses, and the 24-hour life of this career. Dr. Stone, would you mind explaining why members of law enforcement have a higher risk for health issues? You know, I tell you, that's kind of the, the $64 million question, to be honest with you. No one really knows. To be honest. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's a cocktail of circumstances. I mean, it starts with pressure, naturally, as Noel mentioned. The rigors of law enforcement is something that we really don't understand. I mean, it's, it's not just stress. Everyone has stress, okay? I mean, I have stress. Laura, I'm sure you have stress. Noel, obviously, you've been in the career for 40 years. But it's the type of stress and the chronic exposure to those high amplitude catecholamine release, cortisol stress patterns that we, we see that's indicative and commonplace within the sphere of public safety. Combine that with shift work and interruption circadian rhythm, days, weeks, months of, of interrupted sleep, sleep deprivation, a lot of which you can really kind of attribute to some of the horrors that these guys and girls witness on a day-to-day -day basis. Combine that with substance abuse, whether it be alcohol, tobacco, especially smokeless tobacco, it's really common in young males in law enforcement. Um, and, and you, you just have a, a recipe for some significant events that start and can end with unfortunate cardiac outcomes. You know, we commonly see cancer. Uh, we see prostate issues, obviously in men, we test for some cancer markers in women. Uh, and we see issues there that have to be referred out oftentimes to the specialty level. We see thyroid issues. And, and of course, let's not mention, let's not forget to mention metabolic disease. I mean, in most cases, I, I know we did a a study up in Northern Colorado with Well County. And we found that of 296 individuals, and these are all public safety, okay, whether there's there's sworn officers and sheriff's deputies to communications dispatch, we're talking people whose careers operate and revolve around the occupational hazards of public safety and law enforcement. And we found that 228 out of 296 had not but one, but three forms of metabolic disease. We're talking hypertension to hyperlipidemia to diabetes, whether it be managed or unmanaged. And this is just not something you see in civilian sector and private sector. And it's something that I, I think is misunderstood. 
it's mislabeled and oftentimes it's misdiagnosed. And I'll tell you the one thing that really, it blows me away. Every time we do a screening, we learn something new. But the thing that we're now starting to study is documenting these disease patterns in 25 to 45-year-old populations. I mean, you expect heart disease and 50-plus-year-old men who have been doing this job for 35 or 40 years. You know, and, and I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying that it's in some cases expected. But you don't expect to see what we see on a daily basis, and that is you have these fit men and women that aren't obese, that work out in some cases several times a day, that are developing plaque and calcified plaque in the 30s. And that's just, it's almost a medical anomaly. It's not something that you're used to seeing. And it's something that we see with regularity within law enforcement. As Chief March mentioned, February is Heart Health Month. How can law enforcement officers prevent an early heart attack? It's all about detection, Laura. I mean, it's all about detection. And I'll tell you right now, using the traditional conduits of risk stratification is mistake number one. You know, we look at cholesterol as the driver. We've been told this since the 1970s. And, you know, there was a risk score that was developed shortly thereafter called the Framingham Risk Score, which we use in in civilian healthcare to kind of determine someone's risk for heart disease. And and I'm not talking about the development of heart attack. I'm talking about like early onset plaque development. And there's a, a, a sort of a metric, if you will. It's kind of a table and it's this unitless arbitrary number that you develop. And it's, it's based on age, and age is particularly heavily weighted. You know, it's based on uh, sex. It's based on habits, you know, whether you smoke or drink or have a bad diet. It's based on um, some things that are more pathological, like diabetes. And, of course, it's based on race and uh, ethnicity and all that stuff. Okay. And so we build uh, this this sort of score, if you will, that will determine mathematically whether or not that patient needs additional uh, diagnostic scrutiny. Right. Do they qualify for additional metrics? And that's through the insurance paying model, which is very common. Obviously, everyone knows what that's all about. We don't see that Framingham risk score predicting risk in young individuals when we can actually do something about it. By the time someone develops a calcified plaque, let's just say that we do a a calcium score on null and it's positive and we see evidence of, of calcification in the coronary vessels. There's nothing we can do about that. It's there. It's going to be there until the day null dies. It may not be the cause of death, but it's still going to be there. And so our goal is to create scenarios where that calcified plaque never exists. Well, I can't get to a 45-year-old that, statistically speaking, is at a 50% chance of already having a heart attack as a law enforcement officer. I can't get to them in their mid-40s and think that I'm going to be able to circumvent that. I've got to get to them in their late 20s when I can adjust their diet, when I can create expectations around lifestyle, and I can re-emphasize and prioritize uh, proper nutrition and sleep and the avoidance of coping mechanisms like tobacco, alcohol, et cetera. You know, we have to be able to identify these individuals at a point where we have options. And maybe it's not even medication that fixes it. In some cases, it is. Like, for instance, that officer that died in Vail of a plaque rupture. If we'd identified that individual, a $5 statin would have completely prevented that scenario entirely, you know? And so we have to be able to get these younger officers. We have to understand and have a better understanding that you can't treat an officer like a civilian. You can't apply the same metrics of risk stratification to identify disease patterns in cops that are commonplace in civilians. You, you, you can't do it. And actually, Sigma is working on a, a occupational risk score. Dr. Jonathan Scheinberg and I are working on this as we speak that is um, basically designed it's like a, a Framingham risk score for cops, effectively, taking in all the things in consideration with the career that are deleterious over time. And we are creating uh, an ability, a methodology to identify these young officers who are more likely 
to develop plaque, maybe even because of family disposition, genetics, et cetera, that are more likely to develop plaque at an earlier age so that we can do something about that before it gets to a point of irreversibility. And Laura, that's why Dr. Scheinberg and Dr. Stone have put together Sigma Tactical Wellness and partnered with the FBI National Academy Associates to reach the 16,000 members of our association with this information. Listen, I've been around long enough to see, and many of our members have been around long enough to see the evolution of policing, where there was a time we were trained or at least informally told, don't wear your seatbelt because you need to jump out of the car fast. We've learned that you've got to wear your seatbelt, not just for law, but for our own safety. And then came, you know, the evolution of revolver to auto pistol, because we learned that our safety and those of others depends on us being better equipped with better technology to do a better job of saving lives. And add to that uh, Kevlar bullet resistant vests, where when I first came on, the old timers wouldn't wear that stuff if you paid them. But now we all do because we all know, we have all learned that having that advanced technology saves our lives and Sigma Tactical Wellness now brings that to protecting what's inside of us. And that's our heart, our um, hypertension, um, the existence of diabetes and blood pressure. We know what, what Dr. Stone was just saying about how many times we have an adrenaline dump. I mean, we go from 98% boredom to 2% sheer terror, you know, with the snap of a finger and our blood pressure spikes. And if we have been sedentary in our patrol car and haven't been taking care of our nutrition, we're going through fast food drive throughs and uh, even if we eat at all, and then on top of it, rotating shifts, sleep deprivation, stresses on the job, stresses on the home. We are a different profession when it comes to how well our bodies react to and endure what's put upon it. We know that uh, heart disease, listen, we're working with departments that have had young, young officers, um, not just pass, die from heart disease, but careers end even more commonly. We can prevent that now. And that's why, um, that's why we're here talking with our uh, fellow members of the FBI NA today. So how can law enforcement learn more about Sigma's implementation, screening, and its program? For those who are interested, our website is full of information. It's www.iamsigma, I-A-M-S-I-G-M-A, iamsigma.com. And there you're going to see not just a uh, historical background, um, a great seven-minute video, but also pages of agencies, partners, statistics, data, and the story of how these two doctors and the team at Sigma Tactical Wellness have come to the point of being able to deploy a team to your own police department, your own sheriff's office, your barracks, whatever, wherever you're located, this team can come and do the work that's needed to educate, enlighten, and get oriented, recalibrated in our careers and in our physical health that, uh, well, for two things. One, to be better performers, to be more resilient, healthier, increase wellness, and a sharper, sharper officer on the job, but also to enjoy our careers after retirement. I haven't met a member of the FBI National Academy Associates yet. That isn't calculating the date when they can finally get a check and have a pension if they choose to take it. And we want our fellow members to enjoy their retirement. You know, when I went to the FBI National Academy, Livio Boccaccio 
was the unit chief. There's a leadership award named for Special Agent Boccaccio now, rest his soul. But he would talk about the ABCs of life to all of us students, the attitude, balance, and choices. Well, maintaining a positive attitude includes having a balance of health and wellness, nutrition, fitness in our lives, and the choices we make in nutrition, fitness, and looking out for ourselves and one another is really what the Yellow Brick Road is all about, isn't it, Laura? That Yellow Brick Road starts in Quantico, and it doesn't end there. It stays with us throughout the career. I just encourage all our fellow members to look into Sigma Tactical Wellness, www.imsigma.com, and learn more about the solution and the prevention that will help your life, your career, and your retirement. Thank you again, gentlemen, for joining me today and sharing the importance of heart health in law enforcement. I look forward to seeing you both in Cleveland at the 2022 National Annual Training Conference this summer. Thank you, Laura. Really appreciate you having us, and it's been a pleasure. We're grateful for the opportunity. We'll see you in Cleveland. This concludes this episode of Leadership APB. We hope you join us next month for another episode of our podcast. Until then, please stay safe and be well.